Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. This is Zenith, that podcast where we just discuss mutiny right in front of the guards, because this week we watched Spacefall. Written by Terry Nation. Directed by Pennant Roberts. And aired on January 9th, 1978. Episode 2. Right. We say written by Terry Nation, but, uh, you know, just judging by the episode, this is probably the first one that was, you know, really cleaned up and really edited by Chris Boucher. Probably. Because <laughs> the dialogue feels a lot better than it did, did last week. week. <laughs> or flow is a lot better, I should say. Yeah, probably. And I feel like written by Terry Nation is like at some point just a... This was the initial treatment was written by Terry Nation, but really the script was written by Chris Boucher. Or, yeah, maybe uh, dialogue by Chris Boucher and... Story by Terry Nation. <laughs> oh boy, what a thrilling credit that is. Story by Terry Nation. Uh, most British shows I've noticed just go by. They don't even go written by. Yeah, uh, because they just created the episode. Just give them full credit for everything. But anyway, this starts right where the last one left off. Which In is why space. I said, if you listen to uh, our episode one... I sort of mentioned that uh, episode one and two together seemed like sort of just one thing that got split in half. And I was actually thinking while watching this, like nowadays, um, a lot of shows will have like a double length first episode. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that, how common that was back in the 70s slash early 80s. Not very, I think. Probably I think not. it was pretty rare, actually. Probably not very. And, and I was wondering whether this would be more enjoyable if it was just stuck together with episode one, and I decided no, because, you know, after sitting through, episode one was all right, and I, but after sitting through that, you might you know, be kind of bored or just over it, and this was a pretty great episode, so, you know, you wouldn't want to be bored and over it for this. <laughs> uh, I don't know, when I was watching it, I was like, man, I would have rather, I would have rather watched these two as one episode. Just because the first episode didn't focus on the main characters all in this one. Does. Does. <laughs> Well, this one has Avon in it, but uh, we'll get to him. And yeah, I just think they would have worked better as as one episode together. I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe could have cut out the whole lawyer subplot entirely, and then just mashed the beginning of episode one with like most of this episode, and just made an entirely new episode if they wanted to as well. Yeah, could have uh, just cliffhangered a lot of the things in this cut out the lawyer stuff and just stuck it on the ep- end of episode one yep <laughs> anyway <laughs> it begins in space and blake's like looking longingly back at earth and he's like wow guess i'm not going back to earth rip earth oh no well the plan at the end of the episode is to eventually get back to earth yeah eventually. i guess there's a plan of the entire series almost <laughs> Like With that a time. lot of twists and turns, obviously. <laughs> this doctor was trying to get Tegan to Heathrow Airport. I don't really think that... He just couldn't do it. He just, he just couldn't do it. <laughs> I really don't think that Blake and his crew make like a concerted effort to make it back to Earth. This is just like a theory. But mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, Blake seems really intent on just attacking the Federation instead of actually like getting back to Earth or anything. Yeah, yeah. So... We'll, 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 uh, we'll see how Blake's character develops, I, I guess. <laughs> And by we, I mean you, because I've already seen the first six episodes. I'm just imagining Blake, like, every episode getting increasingly more upset with his plan and being like, damn, why didn't we just go back to Earth when I had the chance? But anyway, 
he's like still locked up in in the tubing with the really crappy plastic tube that's like holding him to his chair. And uh, we're introduced to uh, Raker, played by uh, Leslie Schofield or Shawfield or whatever. And I know this because I didn't recognize this the first time I watched the episode, which was a couple months ago. But I did this time. I realized that this was the guy who walks down the hallway with Darth Vader in that like 10 second scene in episode four. I was like, wait a minute, isn't this guy in Star Wars? And, and yeah, he is. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's sort of the villain here. He, he makes his, his speech to the prisoners. Well, first we see him in the bridge with the captain and... Oh, yeah, the captain and... Artex. And, uh... John Lennon. <laughs> and, well, so the first... I made... Well, I actually did make a note of this. The first time we see Raker, he's, like... He's talking with Artix, and in the background, the captain is just, like, looking super over the story. Like, the actor is just, like, super over <laughs> acting in the story. The captain was pretty... He was all right, though. Like, he wasn't bad yeah. or anything. Yeah. But, like, in his very first scene, it was just in the background, like, rubbing his face, like, oh, man, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they detect something on the scanner, and they have no idea what it is, but they kind of just ignore it for now. Yeah. Also, the captain keeps like rubbing his nose, and I thought like, oh, maybe the captain's got like a cold or something. But it's it's just it's just the actor's choice. He was just like, I'm just gonna rub my nose a lot as the captain. The captain just uh, wants to pick his nose, but he's like, damn, other people around can't do it. <laughs> so the captain tells Raker to go give his speech to the prisoners as usual. Apparently, this is a thing they do on every prison transport voyage i guess yeah and and uh, raker obviously makes it uh, a power trip for himself so uh you know i guess that's good for him <laughs> not for the prisoners <laughs> apparently it's gonna take them eight months to get to cygnus alpha and i was like wow that sucks gonna be on the ship for eight months <laughs> <laughs> but as we learn a little bit later uh, we'll just spell it out now the company doesn't really follow through with that sometimes you know it's rumored, I guess, that they just dump the prisoners halfway through the voyage because they get paid the full amount whether the prisoners make it to Cygnus Alpha or not. So to save fuel, I guess, and just cut costs in general, they just dump the prisoners halfway there and, uh, you know, pick up a you know new cargo when they get back. <laughs> the captain also tells Raker to put maximum suppressants in the food because he likes him docile. <laughs> I guess that didn't work out for him so well. <laughs> I don't really think they even get the chance to uh, feed them because the mutiny happens within, you know, probably about an hour of uh, <laughs> Well, no, it's this. implied to be like a couple weeks because Blake definitely says something about it taking him a couple weeks to like scope out the computer room. It's definitely not the same day. It's definitely been a while. I don't think so. It's de- I think it's he says it would a take a couple weeks. No, not I'm sure he did a take couple a couple weeks. weeks. I'm not sure, though. I am sure, though, so... <laughs> Yeah, somehow I don't believe that, but uh, I guess we'll find out maybe eventually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Raker is informed by one of the crew, I guess, that there's a female prisoner, which is Jenna, who we met in episode one. He's like, I, all right, I guess I'll see to her, if you know what I mean. Yeah, looking at the prisoner makeup, I was like, do they just not send women to prison in this federation? Or like, or like why is it a big deal that there's a woman on the spaceship? Well, because it's all guys. Yeah, no, I'm wondering, why is it all guys? Like uh, Maybe just chance, or I, I don't know, isn't it the case, like, in, like, today's society that men are far more 
not likely that there are far more men in the prison system than women. Yeah, but not to the ratio that's on the spaceship, which is like 20 men to one woman. Oh, well, well, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, they, they bring the prisoners to sort of a, a common area. Looks which pretty, is, pretty comfortable. Room, just the next room over yeah. from the room they took off in. Looks pretty comfortable, you know. Uh, and I think the, the captain actually says later, yeah, we try to make the, the voyage as, as decent as possible. Like, captain actually seems like a pretty decent guy later on but uh anyway raker confronts jenna and he's like you know there's a uh, there's no special facilities for women here you know you're just gonna have to do everything with these other 20 guys so i can uh set up something special for you if you want to come to my quarters later on he doesn't say come to my quarters but he insinuates it yeah well she responds by just whispering something in his ear and then raker slaps her that actually brings up a, a question i had which is where do the prisoners sleep because the only two rooms we see are a common room Just and anywhere, the like, flight know. seat room. Do they like sleep in their flight seats? That's really uncomfortable. Eight months. <laughs> Raker mentions that there's like a, a sequence of punishments that starts with isolation. Slap on the wrist. <laughs> isolation time in your flight seat and ends with execution. Because apparently they have the power to just execute prisoners for minor infractions. We forgot to mention that uh, Raker confr- confronts Blake... Um, all the prisoners, when they release the prisoners from the handcuffs, they all just wander off, except Blake stays in his seat, and he's like, I haven't been given any orders, sir. Raker's- well, because Raker asks him why he's still in his seat, and Blake's yeah. like, I haven't been given any orders. Raker's like, you haven't been given any orders, sir! So they just, like, they, like, mull around the common room, and then Blake meets Avon, who's apparently the second best computer person in the galaxy and Blake's like who's the first and they're like the guy who caught him <laughs> well I also forgot to mention that uh, in the first shot of the entire episode you can see Gan he's sort of in the foreground we also I was thinking we this when later. I watched the title sequence we forgot to mention the random garbage that's in the title the sequence the giant blue pixelated eye yeah, <laughs> that like doesn't really have anything to do with anything that's just there to pad out the title sequence well it's part of the wanted poster well, yeah, but then there's, like, the blaster that just shows up and, like, rotates left and right. Yeah, blasters are part of this show. <laughs> yeah, but, like, what's the... <laughs> the title sequence just feels like a bunch of, like, unrelated sequences tacked together in, like, a really kind of it's, lame way. It's still... It's pretty great, though. You know, the music is what really makes it I mean, the music great. is what and makes it. And the Liberator is what also really makes it great. We, we see the Liberator for the first time at the end of this. Anyway... They anyway, yeah, they meet Avon and Kerr Avon. His first name's Kerr. <laughs> really unfortunate. Why is everybody's first name in this universe just awful? It's it's you know in line with how they named characters in early Doctor Who. I guess mid Doctor Who is why. Well. I guess that's what we're just calling seventies Doctor Who mid Doctor Who. Uh, but yeah, Avon says that his only mistake he he was caught trying to rob a bank. I guess. And uh, he said his he says his only mistake is relying on others. So that's just a great line. <laughs> yeah. So Blake talks with Avon. He's like, "We need to incite mutiny right away, man." And Avon's like, well, "Nah, I could just, uh, you know, team up with the guards." And uh, I forget what he says exactly, but he says his skills would be useful to the company, and that he has more leverage than any of the other prisoners on the ship. Yeah, so he's why would he falsify the shipping manifest? 
Yeah, if he wants to yeah. help the company dump the prisoners, he's going to falsify the shipping manifest. This is another reason why I'm pretty sure it takes a couple of weeks for the mutiny to actually happen because Avon, by the time that Blake actually comes back to Avon to go into the to the tunnels, he's claims he's already actually made a deal with the guards. Hmm, yeah, <clears throat> I, I don't know. If, if, if that's the case, which I'm pretty sure it's not, they did a really poor job of making time seem to uh, go by, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... There's... Again, they are in space. So there's not really any, you know, day or night. <laughs> the only thing guarding the prisoners is like a security camera and then a guard One standing guard. right under the security camera, <laughs> which leaves a lot of blind spots because it's not like the guard and the security camera have different fields of view. <laughs> also, the guard is holding like a clipboard, which is like really obviously just a clipboard the production office found and like got a whiteboard marker and drew some weird symbols on. <laughs> I always love like old classics science fiction shows trying to make the future look all futuristic because it's like they only had really old computers and technology to work with. So like the bridge is just a wall of switches and lights <laughs> and like the view screen is like a black screen with crosses on and the the first officer's like control panel is just like a switchboard of buttons. <laughs> I always thought I always think that's charming in a way. <clears throat> Hey, we never know what the future is going to hold. Maybe all that stuff is actually going to uh, come back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the guard is also really terrible at his job because he's distracted by Avon showing her, sorry, Villa showing him a magic trick. Yeah. Meanwhile, Blake, well, Jenna, and Avon are discussing mutiny five feet away really loudly. Well, so first Blake like goes into the the ventilation shafts or or just i don't know it's like uh, a maintenance shaft yeah which begs the question why is there a maintenance shaft that corrects directly <laughs> to other parts <laughs> of the ship it's yeah easily accessible via grate yeah that connects directly to the prisoner's compartment like i mean i guess, I guess the the idea was you know the guard would be watching them and prevent them from crawling into the ducts <laughs> and how haven't other prisoners done this maybe they have and if they have done this, why haven't they corrected this problem? <laughs> yeah, so Blake goes through and he finds out that also, apparently, this specific maintenance shaft from the prison compartment goes straight to the main computer Connects on the straight ship. straight to the TARDIS console room. <laughs> Do you notice how that one room looked suspiciously similar to the TARDIS console room? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. This entire episode feels... Like last week, pretty low budget, especially that, like, airlock compartment <laughs> later on, <laughs> which we're going to get to. Anyway. Just a fabric tube. <laughs> Blake finds the computer room, which I reiterate is connected directly to the prison, to prison comfort room. Prison Central. Like, even if you thought the guard was going to watch them, like, that's just a design flaw. Plus, there's only one guard and a bunch of prisoners, so wouldn't they just overpower the guard? I mean, there's that camera that's supposed to, like, which really just is supposed to act as a deterrent. Like, really, the camera <laughs> doesn't do anything except, like, I guess indicate that more guards are going to come and show up. And, I mean, let the bridge know that uh, if what the prisoners are doing, I guess... Yeah, the thing about them being on, like, a ship is that there's, like, a finite number of guards. I mean, there's a finite number of prisoners, too, but there's a finite number of guards. So at some point, the guards are just going to be outnumbered if the prisoners play their cards right. 
I think the guards already are already outnumbered. So there's, I think, what, 20 prisoners? And as, as far see, as like, we know, guards. there's like only five guards. Maybe there's more like off screen. Well, there's the three to go on the ship, and then there's the captain, the first officer, and and Riker. That makes Riker was the first Riker. officer. Oh, there sorry, was like yeah. two other guys. Yeah. There's a captain, Raker, the three guys Arte- who. Well, there's Artex, who's like I guess the technical guy. Then on the bridge, there was, there was three yeah. on the bridge: the captain, Riker, Raker, and Artex. And then there was the three guys they sent on the ship. Plus, there was there's at, at least, least one other guy. There was at least two guards because we actually see a guard shift change after the prisoners <laughs> get captured again. So. All right. Actually, actually, the guard change happens after Avon goes into the vent, but before Nova does. <clears throat> Yeah, I think this is actually where we first meet Nova, and I think we're already introduced to Gan uh, a little bit. We don't really know who Gan is yet, but I think we find out in the next couple episodes, next episode or, or episode four maybe. But Nova, I guess, is just this guy who's like, I want to do something, I want to help, I haven't done anything yet. Well, so the ship is flying, the ship, like, okay, f- two completely separate major incidents occur to the ship but at the same time, number one is that there's like a meteor storm, and number two is that there's like a space battle going on like right nearby. So the meteor storm is like sending off meteorites that are hitting the ship and causing damage, and the battle nearby is like some stray b- blaster bolts are hitting the London, I guess is what the ship's called. And so the captain has them navigate around the battle, but they're still close enough that the meteor storm is, like, affecting them. And I think it's supposed to be implied that it's not actually a meteor storm, it's actually debris from the battle, but... <laughs> so, then... And then we find out, because they, like, all brace for impact with some debris, and this is when we find out about the, like, self-repairing foam stuff, yeah. because there's, like, a hole in the wall, and then the foam, like, pours out, and Jenna picks it up, and she's, like, holding it in her fingers, and she's like, it goes solid in seconds. I'm like, really? Because that foam in your hand doesn't look solid. Plus, your fingers would be welded together if it really does go solid. So, like, why would you even pick it up? Should have made that a part of the show. Like, for the rest of the show, Jenna just has her fingers just stuck stuck together. together. (laughs) To write an entire episode where they're going, like, heist a big chemical Bank corporation <laughs> to find the compound that'll unstick your hands honestly blake and jenna should have just teamed up with avon to uh just continue his bank robbing <laughs> operation i think that would have uh hurt the uh, federation a lot more than what they actually end up doing <laughs> or maybe not i don't know anyway they need someone to go into the uh ducts so Nova volunteers and... Uh, well, we haven't mentioned that they sent Avon ahead already to the computer room. Oh, right, because Avon is going to go uh, commandeer the ship. Yeah, this is like Avon's sitting in the, the launch room and Blake goes in there to talk with him and Blake's trying to convince him to go into the computer room and Avon's like, I've already made a deal. And Blake's like, if that were true, then you would know that the guards would have to kill you as soon as the deal's over to keep you silent. He's like, well, maybe I have a plan for that too. And Blake's like, you could just be free... If you want, now, help us. <laughs> Avon's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm doing the most work, so it doesn't really sound like a good deal to me. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right, Avon. You should just make a deal with the guards, to be honest. But the, in the end, he agrees, and he goes to the computer room, and Blake told him that it was empty, but there's a technician there, and Avon's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. It's okay. He can deal with the technician, because I guess in addition to being a master hacker and criminal mastermind, Avon just knows martial arts as well. <laughs> 
yeah, so there's like a scuffle in the t- in the in the computer room, you know, and then Avon, Avon comes out on top. Yeah, he knocks the guard out. But Blake and Jenna are worried because they think Avon should have disabled the camera already because the way they'll know that Avon's done it is that the the light on the camera will go off in the prison room and it hasn't gone off yet. So Blake is like, Blake just volunteers Villa to go into the, <laughs> into the thing because Jenna's like, Blake, if you go and you die, then like, who's going to rally the troops? And Blake's like, damn, you're right. Better send Villa. Yeah. But then Nova's like, no, I'll go. And Blake's like, uh... Sure. Nova's like, no, really, I want to go. And Villa's like, I mean, I would go, but like, I'm afraid of tight spaces. And I don't want to let people down because I'm afraid of tight spaces. And he's like, there's a, there's a medical term for this. And Jenna's like, yeah, cowardice. Anyway, Thanks, Chris Voucher. Anyway, Nova goes into the uh, the the vents, but and dies. There, there's a, a hull breach, and then uh, they start filling it up with the foam, and the foam just engulfs Nova. Yeah, what kind a of the worst go. way to what go way because to go. that foam solidifies, so he just gets solidified into the wall, and <laughs> I guess suffocates. I don't know how that would kill you, but you'd be dead. Poor Nova. He just wanted to help. Rip Nova. We have a bunch of other prisoners, too, who just wanted to help. Who Raker just kills in cold blood. <laughs> anyway, so now that the light goes off, Blake and Jenna are like, it's time go, to go, it's go. Ti- it's go time, boys. Transform and roll out. No, so they, no. They capture the guard and they spend like, I don't know, some non-trivial amount of time waiting for Avon to open the door and he doesn't open the door. Freaking Avon. And then they decide to use the guard's hand to open the door and I'm like, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Yeah, they, they get Gan to uh, to help them overpower the guards and Gan is, um, I forget the who he's played by, but he's sort of a, the brawn of the operation, I guess. David Jackson. Uh, David Jackson, right, yeah. he And uh, that's true in most episodes. In this, it's... it's it, it, it's all right, I guess, but in in a few episodes later, it kind of feels like Gan, I don't know, is just kind of there when they need like someone to fight so, the their enemies, so he kind of just steps in. He's Which, like, he, just becomes the muscle and he, that's it. But I guess that's true in terms of um, what he actually does, but he actually surprisingly has some character development over the next two or three episodes and a quite interesting backstory as well. But we'll get there. Here, he just has this great line where the guard's not cooperating because they need to put his hand on the panel to open the door. And Gan's like, we only need the hand. You might want to cooperate if you want to stay attached to it. The guy's like, "Uh, I guess. (laughs) So they use his hand to open the door. And I was like, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Like, Yeah, why did they have to go through the entire convoluted operation of disabling the camera? And I, I mean, I guess it's probably a better idea to have someone in the, the control room as well, but, you know, Yeah, yeah, whatever. but, like, <laughs> the original plan was just for Avon to open the doors, and then they were going to, like, commandeer the ship because Avon was going to turn it off, but, I mean, they could have opened the doors without Avon. All they need is for him to turn off the ship, and, like, did he have to do that from the main computer room? Could he do that from the bridge, maybe? But anyway. Well, Avon... I mean, he's obviously really skilled. I can see why he beca- becomes, like, basically the fan-favorite character of the show. But uh, he also seems to be overestimating his abilities based on what he actually achieves in this computer room. <laughs> and also, he's, like, doing it all thanks to, like, a really long stick he found, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he's just kind of poking the right wires, really. Yeah. The guard is also just knocked out, like, nearby, so, you know, the, the danger of him coming to is always present, which does happen later. They tie him up, though, I think, right? Like, when Blake um, and Jenna show up, they tie him up, don't they? I don't I remember. I seem to remember the when the guards open the door, when Blake and Jenna open the door for the guards to come in, they untie the technician. Yeah, I don't remember, honestly, but... Although what they tied him up with, if they did, is like <laughs> some wires ripped some wires out of the console. <laughs> I'm sure these don't do anything. <laughs> Ship just pl- starts plunging towards the nearest planet. Like, oh, shit. Anyway, so Blake and Jenna get cornered by some guards and like, oh shoot, and they start. There's like a a firefight. These guns sound suspiciously like pistols <laughs> maybe they are maybe they're not actually blasters no i'm pretty sure they're blasters and whatever they're using to like create the sparks or gunfire effect like it's looks just pretty, a flash of looks light. pretty cool but it looks like it's just like they had a small explosion on the yeah. end of the gun honestly looks pretty i mean i mean if, if the uh, effect that we're seeing as viewers is uh what the uh, characters in the story see then it looks like the guns just fire this giant blinding flash of light whenever you <laughs> fire them that seems really not conducive to actually firing the gun yeah it looks like all the characters should just be blinded for a couple <laughs> seconds every time someone fires off a shot <laughs> maybe that's why their aim is so bad no it's actually not later on but so blake and jenna are able to make their way to where the avon computer is room. yeah which I think was the plan originally, and Gan and Villa lead the rest of the group to go take the bridge, I guess. Yeah, Villa, great person to lead the rest of the group. Yeah, because now Gan, the prisoners have the guards at gunpoint, and Gan's like, drop your weapons. <laughs> this and this just hilarious. And then Villa drops his gun, and Gan's like, why would you do that? And Villa's like, I was confused. As soon as Villa does it, the guard immediately shoots one of the other prisoners who has him at gunpoint and he's like move and you die <laughs> and you can just see the disgust with villa on gan's face uh, uh, so yeah the guards ca- captured all the prisoners again and then the captain who had a name besides just the captain his name was just captain, captain he became captain. a captain he became a captain because he realized it was his destiny when he heard his, his parents name. named him captain yeah. <laughs> no, none of that's actually true. So he, yeah, so he goes to the computer room and he's like, Blake, here's my terms. If you come out, we won't kill anyone and we won't hurt you guys and we'll just pretend this didn't happen. Blake's like, my terms are we control the ship. So if you don't give the prisoners that control the ship, we're just going to keep the ship yeah. just dead in the water. And the captain's like, you realize it's like a giant hunk of space to be hurtling towards us that's going to kill all of us if you do that. And Blake's like, well, that's your choice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he also requests guns, but yeah, I really don't see why the captain thought he had leverage in this situation. I mean, un, unbeknownst I mean, to him <laughs> that, the, that the mutiny has failed, I think. Until, well... No, because I think, they I think he knows. It. They haven't reported it yet, though. The, they go and report it later on. The guard comes back, comes by, and he's like, we've killed seven prisoners. And they're like, oh, okay, then. Then they report to Blake, like, hey, we have the prisoners at gunpoint, and then that's the scene where Raker starts shooting the prisoners. No, I thought they knew before Raker does that at all, because cause Raker turns to the captain right after the captain finishes talking with Blake, is like, permission to do whatever I need to 
to squash this. And the captain's like, yeah, sure. And then Riker goes to the prisoner compartment and starts shooting people. Like he asked the captain for permission first. Like right after the captain finishes. Permission to do whatever I need doesn't really mean that they know. But I guess it doesn't matter. I was pretty certain that they knew already that they captured all the other prisoners. I, I don't know. After we watched the episode, which I'd be willing to do since it was a pretty great episode. So Reiko goes to the prison compartment and just shoots a prisoner and is like, all right, Blake, I'm going to shoot one every 30 seconds until you give up. Blake's yeah, like, really, I don't buy it. And then really, Reiko kills another one. He's like, okay, never mind, I buy it. Really ruthless. I forgot how good of a villain Raker was. Yeah, well, he's got like no redeeming qualities at all. So Yeah, that's why he's a good villain. Blake gives them up and Avon's like, damn you, why would you do that? Also, earlier Avon mentioned his plan, like when Blake was talking, trying to convince Avon to join him, Avon was like, you know, my plan is when I escape, uh, I'm going to make a deal with the guards and I'm going to get a job in the bank, my slate completely wiped clean, you know, job in the bank, I could skim a couple million, hundred million credits and the Federation wouldn't even know until I left and then I'd be set for life. And Blake's like, wow. <clears throat> Wow. I think Blake says something about how Avon buying into money and, uh, I guess, whatever, uh, mon- not monetary system, but uh, societal systems, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I guess capitalism that the Federation has set up is only uh, giving the Federation more power, whether he's stealing money or not. Mm-hmm. And then Avon says, well, it all comes down to money, Blake. <laughs> And he has a line that uh, I, I noted down because I'm keeping quotes for the show that I, that I thought were funny or that I just liked. Um, he says, the only way to obtain wealth is to take it away from someone else. Just true. I just put that down because it's, it's pretty much true. It's not entirely so, true. If you're the government, you should print your own money. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily talking about like money as in like cash, but wealth in terms of like the relation of wealth and power. <clears throat> I think he's just talking about money. Well, money, I mean, maybe money. I mean, maybe, but like, like I don't think there's anything deeper behind it. But there, the um, I guess this is really like power theory. But what uh, I, I guess this is what some people think. I don't know if I agree with this or not, but I'll just say it anyway. What power tries to do is control resources, which are limited. Mm-hmm. So the only real way that you could gain power is by taking resources away from someone else. Or denying someone else access to resources. So, yeah. yeah. That's just what it made me think of. I was like, wow, that's really deep now. And no, I didn't say that. <laughs> it was interesting, though. <clears throat> yeah, I guess. I didn't think there was anything deeper behind it. I think I thought Avon was just being a greedy bastard. Yeah, he was. He was, he was doing that, too. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, then this hunk of space junk flies up besides the London. And they're like, wow. We could sell this for tons of money and would never have to transport another prisoner again. So the captain decides to send over like a boarding party. It's- Meanwhile, like in the prisoner compartment, they're just helping confined to their launch chairs, which kind of sucks. But what are we supposed to be expected? Yeah, this this is the Liberator. So this is the this is the ship, the the Blake Seven ship. Well, uh, there's actually another ship later on, but yeah, but yeah, this this is the first introduction to the ship that they use for at least the rest of season one. Uh, it looks. We've seen it in the title sequence already, but it looks really cool. It's sort of got a tri-pronged design, I guess. Three um, nacelles. It looks better than anything on Doctor Who, at least. 
It's also <laughs> massive, apparently. Like, when you see it next to the London, it's, like, a hundred times the size. And you're yeah. like, how many crew would starve this ship in reality? Because the ship is huge. They don't know what it is, the the guards that is. They're like, we haven't, we've never seen anything like this. Which is why they decide to go scout it out. Because it's apparently just floating through space. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, they, they speculate that it's from the battle that they witnessed. We also forgot to mention the super, super awesome way they visualize the space battle, which is just... Dots on screen. Which, yeah, <laughs> which is just like dots followed by a streak of light across a screen, <laughs> crashing into each other, and you're like, wow, radar has really improved in the future. Yeah, I gotta go for that minimalist design. So they send over some people to the... The ship, these two guys had a name, which I wrote down because they die. It's Wallace and Teague. <laughs> Poor Wallace and Teague. They, like, go over and they go through the airlock, which, that like, connection tube, which, like I mentioned, is definitely the cheapest set in this entire thing. Yeah, this is the worst looking thing in the entire thing. <laughs> it's legitimately like a fabric tube that they just walk through. <laughs> and... They didn't even try to make it look like it was connecting, uh, that it was in space at all. You know, it's just obviously on solid ground and you know, just walking over it. Just uh. It reminds me of like kids making a movie <laughs> on like no budget. Oh, God. It also reminds me of the movie Be Kind, Rewind, when the people make movies on like no budget. Yeah, I've actually seen that surprisingly. Yeah, good movie. It's a, it a good movie, but kind of weird how they tried to uh how the end got super serious when the rest of the movie was just kind of silly and funny but yeah so it's just a fabric tube but they did go through the effort of like laying down a black piece of fabric where they where the people walk as like i guess to be the panel that they walk on they do like a really lame thing with this too later when it disconnects and raker is in it and they like the way that they make it look like Raker's having problems is he just shakes back and forth <laughs> in the tube. <laughs> they're also wearing what look like hazmat suits. Uh, I, I guess they're spacesuits, but they look kind of like hazmat suits. They don't provide any protection to the face at all, and like the entire face protection is like a tube that like runs from the left ear down in front of their mouth up to the right ear. And I'm like, what's even the point of that tube? Anyway, they make it onto the uh, ship, and they're communicating with the captain via communicators and the captain's like all right i want to want you to describe exactly what you see and uh they don't describe exactly what they see they actually just start talking to a mysterious voice they start hearing <laughs> <laughs> and then we hear their screams of agony as they supposedly die then the comms cut out so the captain sends in a backup man who also had a name but it doesn't matter because he comes back alive but insane he doesn't come back yet he comes back when they send blake and yeah. jenna and avon over blake and his posse. because that's the idea that raker has Basically, right now, he's like, well, it seems pretty dangerous, so why don't we send prisoners over instead of our own men? Well, yeah, because the captain wants to disengage, but Raker really wants the ship because they can sell it and basically be rich. And the captain's like, I'm not losing any more of my men. The guy's like, why don't we just use prisoners then? Yeah, we also didn't mention the scene between Raker and the captain where um, Raker, uh, I guess, pseudo... Raker of going too far. Yeah, and then Raker, Raker, like, pseudo threatens the captain... Because he got the captain's permission to do whatever he wanted. And the captain is like completely unfazed by the threat. Because he's like, everything everyone said is being on that report. Including what I said. <clears throat> yeah. And Rake is just like, uh... But uh, yeah, anyway, they send um, Blake, like we mentioned, Blake, Jenna, and Avon over. Yeah, the captain tells them that 
asks them if Reiko made it clear that they had a choice in this, and Blake's like, yeah, he also made it clear that we have a choice of summary execution. And this sounded better. So the captain's like, well, if you come back alive, I'll have your sentences squashed. Raker tells some other guards to throw them the weapons when they're halfway through the airlock. Blake's like, very wise, Raker. But it's not like they couldn't just take the weapons and come back, right? I mean, <laughs> just pick up the weapons, immediately turn around and shoot the guards. Yeah, like, <laughs> that was an option they could have taken, right? <clears throat> But they don't do it. They go and start exploring the Liberator. It's actually not named the Liberator yet. I think they name it the Liberator later on. In episode three. Yeah, in episode they, three. Yeah, I later don't think they on named in, it in this episode. <laughs> I meant later on as in like later in the show. <laughs> so they make it, uh, they're in the ship and then all of a sudden. This, like, oh, two dead guards. <clears throat> yeah, they find the two dead guards and then all of a sudden this like basically close up view of what looks to be a brain shows up <laughs> on like. Like, it's superimposed on top of the video footage, I think. But it's supposed to be, like, levitating or projected in front of the the guys, the, the, the group. They're like, whoa, what's that? And it starts, like, showing them visions of their family and friends, and Blake People knows who are dead, basically. Blake knows it's fake, probably because Blake's memory is so completely foobar from what the Federation's <laughs> done to it that anything the ship shows him, he's just knows it's not right. But um, Avon and Jenna are sort of paralyzed by this. Uh, Blake breaks free. And shoots it. Shoots it, and we find that out... works. That, we find out that Jenna was seeing visions of her mother. Avon was seeing his brother... And Blake was seeing his family, like we mentioned. You see a, a a guy sort of, I guess, I forget what he says, but he, you, you just see a guy as part of these visions, and I don't know if this was supposed to be Blake's brother or maybe Avon's brother. I don't know. Yeah, it's not clear either. So, Also, Keon said that you can like just see a crewman in the back of the ship in the, in the white hexagon, I guess and, it is. Yeah, that's a little later on, but uh, I guess we can describe the, the set because this is basically the control room of the Liberator as we see it for the rest of the season, I guess. And it looks pretty cool, but apparently it was super not done yet when this episode came out. I was going to say, (laughs) mentioning Doctor Who again, we see it from like the same angle we always saw the TARDIS console room from, which is like entrance on the left, exit on the right. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently the the white area in the background is just completely not finished yet. So just put up a bunch of white sheets and bright lights. (laughs) To block well, it off. worked because I couldn't tell at all. So. But uh, but because of that, you can just see like a black shadowy figure just standing there. Anyway, Raker is like, we uh, failed. I guess they're uh, just commandeering the ship over there. So I'm going to go over personally and make sure that doesn't happen. Anyway, the other the the one guy they sent over who didn't die makes it back and he's probably scarred for life yeah he's insane he actually shows up right before they send blake avon and jenna in because they look at him and go you know summary execution starting to look like a better idea now <clears throat> anyway raker goes over and he has a sort of shootout with blake in the uh, airlock well blake tells avon to get the ship running and jenna to learn how to pilot in the next two minutes and blake's like i'm gonna go make sure nobody's followed us into the airlock and uh, the Blake. ship has the weirdest piloting chairs in existence because they like have to like stand and then it comes over their shoulders and they like grip <laughs> handles. I don't know. I yeah. thought it was like pretty weird. Looks cool though. Does actually look pretty cool. Yeah, it looks cool, but 
it's like a form over function kind of thing. The thing is, this is an alien ship, so they don't really know what kind of civilization this is from. It's far more advanced than anything, I guess, the Terran Federation has, mm-hmm. um, and not built for use by humans. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I just realized this, but considering the ship is several times larger than, I guess, the London or just typical Federation ships, you know, wouldn't the, uh, the control room be also... The, the control room just bigger. seems small for what it is. You know, if the if the uh, race that create I don't really know the backstory of the Liberator, I'm guessing you find out post-episode 6, which is, again, where I've watched up to, but... Uh, you. I guess this is just a, a large ship for people who are the same stature as humans, not just like giants. <laughs> yeah, really lucked out that this ship wasn't designed for people who are 20 feet tall. <clears throat> or like six inches tall. Like, you know, it's st- <laughs> they really lucked out that it's maybe, the exact same size. Maybe some of the debris that they were getting hit by were just mini ships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Blake is really trusting of Avon and Jenna because as soon as he leaves, Jenna's like, are we really going to wait for him? And Avon's like, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, Blake makes it to the airlock and there's just like a, a body lying at the end of the tube. And I wasn't sure. That, if... I think that was that was one of the other guys. But, the two, but the two other guys' bodies were on the bridge, though. That was the thing. But they only like... sent like three guys. Yeah, and the, there was the two bodies on the bridge and the one guy who came back. Yeah. Which so. is like, where, where did this body in the airlock come from? It definitely was one of the other guys. Because like it, I, had, I it thought, had to have been. Well, I thought there was another guard with Raker because there's like a cliffhanger type thing where Raker sees Blake and he shoots. And it, and we don't see what happens because it cuts to Jenna going, should we close the airlock? And Avon's like, yes, let's close the airlock and leave. And, they close the, and then it cuts back and you see Blake alive and there's like a guard on the floor. So I thought, well, maybe Raker went to shoot Blake and the guard got in the way. I don't really know. I just want to know where this body came from. Maybe. I mean, we're keeping a death count. Uh, I guess we should probably say again, which will be on the website, decorativevegetable.com. Mm-hmm. I guess we can include him. I honestly don't really care either way. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> and then Blake is like on the... In the airlock, and the door closes, and he's like, yeah, thanks, guys, that, good timing, actually. And then Raker's like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, and he just kind of shakes back and forth in the fabric tube. <laughs> the shootout with Raker is actually pretty underwhelming, and it really only takes, like, 20 seconds, which I guess, I guess realistic, but... Because I'm not really sure if it's a shootout, because I don't really think Blake shoots back, does he? Mm, I don't remember. But Raker dies, he gets ejected into space. Yeah, they also, like, don't follow... What would actually happen, which is that Eureka would immediately just go flying off into space as soon as they disconnected. Instead, he like stands in the tube for another 30 seconds, and then all of a sudden, he just flies out. <laughs> the scene where he, he flies out is kind of funny, because it was done with models, and you just see a, a, a little speck sort of fly away from where the earlock is. Then so Jenna's like, so where do you want to go, Blake? And Blake's like, follow the London to Cygnus Alpha. We're going to free the rest of the prisoners. And Jenna's like... Jenna and Avon are like, uh, that's not what we want to do, Blake. And Blake is Blake, like, I'm in charge of this operation, you're going to listen to Blake, me. Blake, this isn't a democracy, this is a dictatorship. <laughs> Jenna's like, why did we elect this guy to be captain? Not, this is, this is uh, I, I guess, pretty typical for Blake, you know. And not I'm just doing being, what the crew wants. Yeah, and just recklessly going into situations when there are better plans available. Yeah, this whole the whole setup of this show, actually, I was explaining it to my dad, and my dad's like, oh, 
sounds like this other show we just watched called Dark Matter. And like this episode, definitely, I was like, yeah, this actually reminds me a lot of the show called Dark Matter. I've never heard of that show. Uh, it just got canceled, which is a bummer because it ended on a cliffhanger. But anyway, it's a show <laughs> like it's 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 about these six people who wake up from stasis from a stasis pod in a ship but like while they're in stasis they all lost all their memories so they don't know who they are and they don't know why they're on the ship and they don't know what they're going to do and they basically find out that they're like the six most internationally wanted criminals in the galaxy but like they don't want to be the criminals anymore because they don't remember anything that they've done this i mean I, th- it was, I think it was a pretty good show but sounds kind of interesting but the show probably, probably never watch it now that you just spoiled it but uh well they find that out in like the first episode oh okay <clears throat> But, like, it reminds me of this because a lot of that show is about, like, these criminals just going around the galaxy doing criminally things. And, like, just one person just takes charge of the ship. Like, I'm the captain now. And everyone else is like, I guess she's the captain now. Like, this reminded me of that because they're like, well, I guess Blake is the captain now. Yeah, I guess we've finally got the actual setup of the show here. Yeah. That's, again, why I said it feels like episode one and two were just split in half. Yeah. And I agree with that because typically when you end the pilot or the first episode of a show in general, you want to end it somewhere where the actual... Where it represents what the show yeah. is going to be or at least what the season is going to be. Or where the show is going to go at some point. Like it gives <laughs> you like a roadmap to where it's going to go. Like if you had said, where's the show going to go after episode one? Or if you'd asked me that, I would have been like... Cygnus Alpha, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Cygnus Alpha, I guess. They're going to be on a prison planet for a couple episodes. <laughs> like I would never have been able to guess... That they like steal an alien spaceship and basically decide to free the prisoners and then like strike back against the Federation. No, I mean, I knew that. Okay. But like, I wouldn't have been able to guess that from episode one, was my point. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess that's true. And this just was overall just a more entertaining episode than episode one because, again, uh, the dialogue probably had a lot of Chris Boucher intervention and was a lot uh, better. (laughs) Yeah. Raker is a, a. a pretty great villain in my opinion we actually we we in the scene where we discussed how raker was killing the prisoners every 30 seconds we forgot how after blake surrenders he's like he tells a guard really anxiously like go stop raker from killing the, the prisoners tell him we've surrendered and after the guard goes and tells raker he just shoots another prisoner right then and there <laughs> so like that was pretty pretty cool i mean not for the prisoner who di- or <laughs> died but uh yeah yeah, I mean, he's pretty ruthless. He's basically irredeemable, I think, in any way. So I guess good thing that he died, although bummer that he's not going to be like a recurring villain of any sort. Well, we'll get a... There's a really cool recurring villain who shows up in a couple episodes. Well, I know that there is a recurring villain. Just a bummer and, uh, that it's not Raker, I guess, is my point, because Raker was pretty cool. Maybe we could have got like backstory about why Raker is such a bad person. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, no. They mentioned Blake's charges of molesting kids again yeah. right at the start of the episode. <laughs> Although I think I read that they like never mentioned it again after this episode. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess depending on how you view the show, Blake actually becomes a a recurring villain too. But uh, we'll get there. Depends who you consider the good guys. I don't think there are any good guys in the show, to be honest, because our main <laughs> characters are criminals and scumbags, and the Federation is basically ruthless and hates everyone just and does some pretty sketchy activity just wait till you find out what gan is in for be something like just wait (laughs) whatever you guess is not going to be correct but is he a murderer and rapist of women (laughs) no i guess he actually was correct 
<laughs> oh, I was just quoting Alien 3. <laughs> but there's there's a twist to it. There's a twist to it. Yeah, I was honestly just quoting Alien 3. I didn't expect to be correct. <laughs> Gan is one of the most interesting characters so far, in my opinion. So far as in not Spacefall so far, but because as of Spacefall, he's probably the least interesting of the group. Yeah, so we're not, the, we haven't assembled the seven yet. There's still two more left to go. I, we actually do see Zen in this, but uh, he's not really in it in too large of a capacity. He's just the ship's computer, so they're on the ship, so he's there. Yeah, we haven't really met Zen. So there's so, but we've met what? So we've met Blake. We've met six of them. The Avon, only... Jenna, Villa, and Gan, right? Yeah, so five of the seven. Yeah, and, I mean, and then I guess Zen, Zen is Zen in the background, but we haven't proper met. Yeah, Zen is next episode. Callie, I think, is episode four or five. But that's and that's the seven. I think for this season, the crew actually changes as people leave and die. My favorite when they kill off characters. <laughs> but we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, I'm still looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it more than I was last week. I think now that because this is a far better episode. Yeah, now that the show's actually, I think, sort of found its feet and like found its ship and actually set up what they're going to be doing found the way forward as the 40th anniversary audio is called i thought that was kind of clever though yeah yeah it was kind of cool and yeah so i don't really have much else to say i thought this episode was good but not great i don't think i liked it as much as you but i thought it was good yeah yeah solid episode anyway you can email us at thedoctordecadentvegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on space fall, falling through space. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, both at Zenith. Or if you search for Blake 7, I'm sure we'll come up because there's only like three other Blake 7 podcasts, if you're optimistic. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable, where we also have our other two podcasts, Trust Your Doctor and Triple Play. And be sure to leave a rating if you like the show because this is a new podcast and feedback is even more important than normal because we want to know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong before we get 182 episodes into the podcast. <laughs> no, no, this won't last 182 episodes. And I was making a joke about how Trust Your Doctor's 182 episodes in. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, our social media pages are named after our first podcast, Trust Your Doctor. So check us out on Facebook at Trust Your Doctor and also like us on facebook also check us on twitter at tyd podcast and follow us on twitter and next time we're watching cygnus alpha but until then the end